Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. The series that we're starting is My Church, and today our, our specific point, um, our specific topic is Eyes Shut. Look at your neighbor and say, Eyes Shut. Some of y'all even close your eyes. I don't even have to tell you to. (laughs) Eyes shut. This whole idea about my church, we're talking about finding what uh, what makes the church you go to become your church. And finding your church is a journey that is often not talked about. As we go this month, we're going to talk about what can make your church experience either extraordinary or completely terrible. And how the most important thing about your church is finding your place in it. And what I really want you to catch out of today's message is it's not a a concept in our mind. It's something in our heart. And that's the idea that there is a great need in churches and you have the potential to make a difference. I want to, I want to ask you guys a question. How can we see where we're going if we keep our eyes shut? How can we see where we're going, where, we, where we're walking towards if we keep our eyes shut? I am a natural storyteller, but I often don't share that many stories in the messages that I give. But I realize that there's so many stories worth telling. And that stories often show us true emotion rather than me just telling you about the emotion. Y'all agree? Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to share with you guys a couple of stories. These are all stories that are depicted out of people's experiences from church. Let's start with someone that we'll just call Victoria. Victoria is a person that does not fit in for church. And all these stories are real stories, by the way, personal stories. People that me and my wife have met come across. Victoria was not the fit for church. She was not the traditional church person. And she was a person that was trying to find her faith. She had it at one point in time, but she lost it. And even though that she was trying to find it again, she was still reserved and hesitant. She had been incredibly hurt and is scared to trust again. She's undoubtedly lonely. And the way that she numbs that loneliness is through substances like alcohol. And this this young girl, I remember meeting, and you could tell right away that she didn't fit in. She looked different than everybody else. And what was most standout is that she didn't have a fake smile across her face. She didn't have any smile across her face. And she'd come in, and me and my wife noticed her. And we asked some people around us, as we were busy doing different things, we asked someone, hey, that girl just came in. Can you go talk to her? And they looked back hesitantly. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll talk to her. We noticed that no one ever talked to her. Week after week, every time we saw this girl, 
try to get somebody that wasn't already doing a task, that wasn't already uh, enveloped in a job, to go and try to just talk to this young girl. And one day, the lights went out. And so we could no longer do the jobs that we were normally doing. And so we, we went up to this girl and we started talking to her. We found out that we were the first people to ever talk to her in church. First people to ever go up to her without her having to go up to somebody else. And we started talking to her. And in fact, we, we invited her over for dinner. Said, come on over. My wife cooks the best food. And I was being serious. I'm not just being nice. <laughs> and so she started coming over. The very first day that we met her, she came over. And even though she was kind of out of place, hesitant to understand why we were being so nice, she was still almost curious to see what was going to happen. And as the weeks went on and the months went on, she started realizing that there was just this little bit of hope that she might be able to trust church again. Just a little chance. She started opening up to us, telling us all the things that she's been through, why it's so hard for her to trust others because of what others have done to her. And that because of her trials in life, that made her so hesitant to believe that this God of the universe was real, and yet alone that he loved her. But she was starting to. As time went on, and she kept <coughs> pushing past her doubts. And then one day she was having an exceptionally bad day. She just went on a, 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 a series of binge drinking, and she was trying to just go to church, to just even though she didn't want to, she knew that somewhere deep in her heart that she was going to try. She sat in the back, uninterested in what was going on, but still determined to try. And then someone came up to her, noticed that she was uninterested, noticed that she wasn't necessarily paying attention the way everybody else was. So they stopped and they did their duty as a fellow Christian. And they went up to her and said, hey, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be. So this young girl, Victoria, thought, I guess it's right. So she got up and she never went back to church again. Because that Christian knew better. They knew how much more involved someone should be. How much more committed someone should be. Let me tell you another story of Rosie. When she came to church, she fell in love right away. She was so excited to be involved with a place that she wasn't going to be judged. That she could actually have a chance of belonging somewhere. She thought she'd finally felt like she was at a place where she was accepted. And then she started to notice, notice not from one conversation... Not from one remark, not from one comment, but a simple negligence that just started developing more and more. One conversation not invited to. She would show up to the volunteering opportunities. She would show up to the ministries. She would show up to church 
And even though she would try to plug herself into a conversation or a group or a people, it was very obvious that she was not wanted there. It's just that subtle tone. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When people don't respond to what you say, they don't even give a polite laugh to the joke you made. They just give a sly remark, a look. And over time, those subtle little things just became obvious that she didn't belong, that she didn't fit in, that what she believed at the beginning was just not true. Church was not for her. Let's talk about Jerome. Jerome found church to be the only place left that he could go to to find redemption in his life. He knew that he made so many mistakes and he regretted them. He was willing to always volunteer and work hard at the activities he volunteered for at church because he was truly grateful for what God did in his life. The thought of being redeemed from his past, being a new person, was an overwhelming thought to him. And he hoped that even though his appearance was rough, something that he couldn't change, most people were hesitant and scared to talk to him, let alone when he'd walk up to a group. But he thought, surely, even though others avoided him, that eventually people would see him as a valuable person who is not only useful, but even a friend. But the longer time went on, the more and more times he would not get invited to go out to eat after working so hard. More and more times that he realized he was the only one that wasn't called and asked, the only one that wasn't texted, the only one that wasn't invited. Even though he was Useful for the work, he wasn't useful for their friendship. Maybe you've been a Victoria, maybe you've been a Rosie, maybe you've been a Jerome, maybe you've been on the other side of it. And you notice that little subtle tension that no one talked about. Or maybe you've heard of the small group that was never started at a church, that outreach that was never able to launch. The youth group that never got their youth pastor to stay more than one year. Maybe there is that pastor that you once knew that never saw the people he poured into stay longer than nine months. That volunteer that was only the only one who would show up. The one person excited for the vision in the midst of naysayers. Or that ambitious lady that was never asked about her idea again. See, church has a lot of problems. And we often keep our eyes shut to the elephants in the room. The rooms of our families, our jobs, our schools, our politics, our social exchanges, and especially our churches, we keep our eyes shut to those elephants in the room. We simply continue going on without ever talking about them because we are just so incredibly busy. And that elephant, that issue, that problem, that person, whatever it is, is just way too enormous. And we can't possibly deal with it in our busy lives. 
even though we will literally assassinate 45 minutes of our time just scrolling through Netflix to find something to binge watch for hours. It's not that we don't have time. It is that we have our eyes shut so incredibly tight to see how serious these elephants are and we just hope that somebody else will eventually do something about it. Am I talking to somebody here today? Sober looking nods, all right. Tell me if you've ever said this or thought this in your head. The problem with that church is dot, dot, dot. That problem with this church is dot, dot, dot. And it's funny that we always think that the problem is specific to a church. I'll share an example of our everyday lives of how we think that problems are specific to certain things. When me and my wife first met, she dated a guy that was younger than her before she met me. Horrible relationship. Completely bad. And she told herself, it's because he was younger than me. So the fix to this problem is I will never date somebody younger than me again. Well, my wife is actually two years older than me. (laughs) And she had to go on a ledge and trust that that age thing wasn't really the problem. That there's that those problems that we make up in our head of being just absolutes to this person or that church or this store, this business that has nothing to do with the label of the business, the church or the person. But it, it has everything to do with the people a part of it. We don't realize that these problems are either not true, not obvious But most of all, they're tolerated over a long time. And we only develop this culture from the people. Let's zone back just to church. So we're talking about my church this month. The problems that happen in churches are created by the culture of the people in churches, including the pastor. And you will notice that there are problems at every church, every marriage, every relationship, every family, every business. And if we would just stay long enough, we could see where we can fit in to make the change. Even though those problems started with people, it's people that fix those problems. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a person. Not a problem. (laughs) People create culture. People create culture. And that's really what those problems are. Is a culture of disrespect, of negligence, of hurt, of pain, of unforgiveness, of bitterness. Let me read y'all some verses real quick. If y'all look at the screen, these verses literally changed my life. In Amos chapter 5, verse 21 through 24, and it starts out, I hate all your show and pretense. This is God talking to his people. 
the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and your solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. See, it seems like the hypocrisy we see in churches, how everyone in our culture, such a vast majority see church as a big problem. That's just this elephant in the room that we never want to address. It seems like thousands of years ago, God saw the same thing. Does that not sound like someone's reason of not going to church? Well, why don't you go to church with me? I hate those religious festivals. <laughs> I hate all the show, all the pretense in my Sunday suit. I hate it. I hate the hypocrisy. What they ought to do is show justice and help others be genuine and live righteous lives. Was I... Quoting from the Bible, or was I quoting for someone that told you why they don't want to go to church? See, it's a problem that even God knows about it. God talks about it. And yet we, as the church, never do. We have this enormous problem in our churches that we just think, oh, it's just, that's just how things are. That's just a season. That's just, a, oh, it's just that person. They're the only one. Oh, we do our best. Those people are just, they're just being critical. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but isn't there something here to be done? When it comes to this idea that people are the most valuable part of church, not the biggest problem of church, we have to change our mindset. That's why so many people hate the idea of going to a church where you have to talk to others. It is uncomfortable to be forced to interact with other human beings. I mean, goodness, it's like we live all on the same planet or something. And we've made church to be a place where we just go in and have one-on-one -on -one God time amongst people just so that we don't have to all, you know, have... A, thousand different services, but we're not supposed to talk to any of them. We're just supposed to leave right after. I mean, imagine if you actually like the people you go to church with. Wouldn't that be amazing? Some of you are like, I like y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many times do we have to get it wrong before we start to change something to get it right? What do we usually do? We just try another church. You so, say, oh, that, that church is just spoiled rotten. It's, it's just no saving it. It's past its due date. But if we would just stay long enough, we could see how we could lead a change in our churches, in our businesses, in our families. I mean, is it just church that we see these problems or is it everywhere? If you notice that families nowadays are so broken and that they seem a lot like churches, mom and dad are... They're always saying one negative thing about brother or sister. And you leave the conversation thinking, I wonder if dad talks about me that way. <laughs> Says such ugly things about my sister. I wonder if he thinks that about me when I have my back turned. Like, it's kind of like how the pastor is, right? 
That's how like that one person is at church. So we do the same things that people hate in churches and we do them in our families. We do them in our businesses, our workplaces. And so it's not that specific location. It's not just your family. It's not just your job, your workplace, your church, your school. It's something in our people that we have been waiting for somebody to do something about. People created the problems, but only people can redeem those problems and make them right. You know, one of the most painful things that I think happens in church. We're going to go back to church now. One of the most painful things that I read in these stories that I share to you. The most painful thing is that they're real life people and stories. And they're not the only ones. But what happens is just like everything in life, we get so fixated on the new thing that we forget about the old. In church especially, we become so fixated on the new person coming without realizing that the old one is more lost and lonely than before they ever showed up to church. Some of the most lonely, horrible Depressing moments of my life was when I was leading other kids as a youth pastor. And I felt so alone, so miserable, even though I was bringing life to others. How many of you guys have felt like that before? In church, in your families, in your marriages, in your friendships where you're around everything like normal, but you're dying inside. I've realized this amazing truth that that's not the way that we're supposed to live. We tell ourselves, this is just a tough month. This is just a tough week. This is just a tough day. If I make it to the next day, then I just might be, it'll be better. If I make it to next week, then it will be better. Next month will be better. 2020 is going to be so much better than 2019. See, it has nothing to do with the label of the place, of the year, of the date. There's something happening that we're not addressing, that we're not talking about. Y'all dig what I'm saying? It it has to change within us. We have to recognize it and stop closing our eyes to the problem, to the people. I mean, we read these stories and we think, man, I would never want to make somebody feel like that. But notice that most of those stories, it's just, it's not that anyone deliberately goes up to them. It's just a negligence, just There was just so, after so many people not caring enough to have a conversation with you, it starts seeming like on purpose, right? It starts seeming like everyone has a group chat about you to like try to ignore you that day. (laughs) See, if it's, if it happens long enough, it starts to, you start to believe it to be on purpose. That's with any problem. 
How many times have you thought that your boss was intentionally trying to get at you? (laughs) That your teacher just had it out for you? That your mom or dad was just picking on you? See, just simple things over time become these problems that seem on purpose. Will you guys please make a pledge with me? Myself included. Some of the biggest mistakes of my life in ministry. I've made a lot of mistakes. I know that it doesn't seem like it. But I have. And some of the the top three that I have was not when I made a Olympics for our youth group where we made all kinds of activities to, with eggs and children inside of the church that ended up smelling so bad over the weekend because I didn't delegate properly enough to clean up the eggs with chemicals. And so the, the Sunday morning for kids church smelled so bad that they had to evacuate. That's not even my top three. The top three biggest mistakes I've had in ministry were three specific times where I unintentionally hurt somebody's feelings. And I knew it. That as soon as I did it, as soon as I said it, I saw it all over their face that I made them feel less valuable than they deserved. Those are my biggest mistakes. I've lost sleep over it years later. It still bothers me. And what's so difficult is that even when you apologize, some of the damage is just never undone. And guys, we need to make a change. We need to catch vision and heart for how valuable this opportunity is of having church. You know, we, we as Protestant Christians, we believe that church is invisible. That it's not a building, it's a people. That's those who believe in Christ are the church. That we are the church when we leave the building. And I, I need us to make a pledge. What good is it for our name to be Gravetop Church if we still live like we're dead? Gravetop means that we are on top of the grave, that we're no longer dead, we're alive. But we need to live like it. And we need to make a couple pledges here. One, we need to repent. The things that we and others hate about church was created at the church, by the church. People like us. We. And we need a pledge not to be another reason for someone to not come back. I mean, what if we were to look at church, every church service, as if this is the last church service we were ever going to be going to? In the, in the positive sense. Not in like, I'm going to look for anything to not ever go back <laughs> No, I mean, what if we were to look at others as if it was their last church experience that they were ever going to have? Now, if you saw someone come here today and you had it in your mind, what if this is the last time they ever tried church again? What would I do differently? How would I behave? Would I just go and check my Instagram sitting down? 
Or would I be the church? Would I be somebody to show them what Christ's love is really like? Because I don't want to create another Victoria, Jerome, or Rosie to where they never want to go back. Let us pledge to to open our eyes to the people at our church. Isn't that just such a simple way to start? We often get so fixated in all the problems of the world. What if we just start where where we're at right now? I I got to be a part of this um, amazing opportunity to attend the Global Leadership Summit with amazing leaders in, in the world. And this one... I think her name was Liz uh, Bohannon. And she talks about how she used to have this dream when she was young that she wanted to change the world uh, of those who were in third world countries that were that were dehumanized, that she wanted to make a difference in young girls lives that were always stuck in their their, their, situa- their horrible situations and circumstances in places like Uganda and Ethiopia and that she wanted to, to liberate them and she went to protests and she was always involved trying to, to make, uh, make it known that she's going to make a difference. And one day she realized as she was just at her job one day, even though she's painted this entire picture of herself making a difference for people of Ethiopia and Uganda and etc. She realized that she did not have one friend that had been through any of the things that she was protesting. That she didn't know one real person that has gone through any of the things that she cared about. And so she realized that she was a phony. She was saying all of this, but not really showing it. And so... She ended up quitting her job and moving to Uganda and Ethiopia with one goal, to make a friend. <laughs> this is a psychopath, obviously. <laughs> but she, she actually started the, the, the organization called, I think it's called SETCO, S-S-E-K-O. I might be spelling it wrong. But she pretty much made an avenue for those people in, in those countries to be able to make sandals, and so many of them that were once uh, the average age in those villages for a young girl to be sold as a bride price was 13, but would go as low as nine years old. And those same girls that had no future but to be some old man's bride were now go- are now going to school. That villages where then all of the girls were once just uh, waiting to be given away. Now they're actually go- getting an education and careers that they're actually seen as valuable people in their villages and society. Because one person decided that their dreams were so big that she forgot to just start small. And even though she just started with a simple goal to find a friend, she ended up making a difference in entire countries, even in our world today. And so guys, can we pledge to start where we're at right now to make a difference in our church in our families? Why, why focus on the problems of other churches when, when we're not doing anything to change the ones in our own? And in order to do this, 
we really need to open our eyes. We need to open our eyes and take our value seriously. Each of you are valuable people. Each of you have meaning and purpose. And it is so common for us to forget that. And it's so easy to believe that everybody else is valuable but you. I want us to, I want us to start here and start today by opening our eyes, looking at yourself in the mirror and seeing someone that's valuable, that God loves, somebody that is worth it. Because until you're able to see yourself like that, how are you going to be able to show somebody else that? Y'all dig what I'm saying? And I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads. And with everyone in this, this attitude, in this heart of reverence, of seriousness, I, I, want you to, I want you to think about this pledge for a moment. Everything quiet, everything silent. And I want you to think to yourself, is this just another message that I'm going to listen to? Or is this going to be a day that I actually take a pledge seriously? Am I going to take a pledge seriously? Because if you are ready to take that pledge, it's something that you can't just take irreverently. It's something that's got to make you passionate and stirred up inside of your heart. It has to be something that makes you want to jump on your chair excited. It's got to be something that breaks your heart to the point of tears. Because if you really want to take this pledge seriously, it's got to do something to you on the inside. And I want us to get broken and excited about the problems right here, about the people right here, so that we can start making a difference right here, that we can start making a change right now, and that we can start building relationships in this community today. Tomorrow is too far away to wait. If you're here and you are ready to make that kind of pledge with every eye closed and head bowed, this is not a pledge of salvation. This is a pledge of commitment to be used, to be, bring value to others. If you're ready to make that pledge, I want you to just raise your hand. Amen. If you're ready to start making a difference, I'm not going to do a, a, a sign-up sheet. This is just you saying, I'm ready to make a change in my heart, in my life, in my church.
so that it can show my family the church that I always knew I wanted to be a part. Amen. And now, I want us to make a pledge to Christ. I, I, I want us to make a pledge to Christ because so often in our Christian walk, our eyes get so dry. There's an amazing song by Keith Green, old school worship leader. He has a song called My Eyes Are Dry. It says, my eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is hard. And my prayers are cold. And I think that time has a way of working at our Christianity to where that commitment, that love that we found in Christ at the beginning becomes something that seems distant as we get older. And there's moments in our life where we need a fresh reminder of the love of God, the power of God that we felt at the very beginning, the very presence of God that changed us to make a decision. We need to be reminded of what that feels like. So right where you're at, if, if you are ready to make this commitment to Christ, maybe for the very first time, but especially if it's been a while since you felt like your prayers mattered, if it's been a while that you felt cold, I want you to lift your hands. Amen. 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 As, we, as I pray for us, what we're going to do is I'm going to pray and I want you guys to pray with me. And then we're going to enter into worship. And we just, we do worship so simple. We have just video on the screen with words and we just sing worship songs to God to show our gratefulness and our love for him and what he's doing in our lives. And it's almost like the songs are affirmations of what we believe but before we do that, I just feel like there's someone here that needs to hear me say this. There is moments that you have been thinking about what death is like. You have been thinking not necessarily about suicide, but about killing yourself. The difference is you just want it to stop. Everything that you've been carrying, you just want it to stop. And you feel like each day is harder than the last. And so maybe you're like me and feeling that way. Where you start thinking about different ways that you could put a gun to your head. You're having fantasies of what it would be like to hang yourself. If you'd rather hang yourself or drown yourself. And you've been having in-depth thoughts. 
And there's part of you that's afraid because right now you can say that you don't want to do that. But in those moments, you're afraid that one day you might. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I am going to tell you that you are not alone. You are not alone. And I urge you, please, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody that you trust. And if you don't know anybody, go out on a limb with somebody. Because I'm telling you, from experience, the moments that I finally shared, I finally said what was really going on. How dark of a place I was. And I just got to tell somebody about it. Be vulnerable with another human being. That darkness seems so much lighter. That room that I thought I was in by myself, all of a sudden it, sound, it seemed like somebody else was standing in there too. And you've been believing for so long that you are alone on this. And not only am I trying to tell you that God doesn't want you to live like that. But that there are people that don't want you to live in such a dark place like that. Because they don't even realize how dark of a place you're at. They don't even realize. It's not that you're not noticed. It's just you've gotten so good at keeping up appearances. So, God, I ask right now that you bring victory to the lives of people here. And that you show them that you love them. And that not only that, that you don't want them to live a horrible, broken life, but that you really do want to show them what a blessed life looks like, a joyful life looks like, a life where instead of chaos inside of your mind with all of these horrible thoughts, that you actually feel peace. I pray for your victory over their life right now. And I ask that you impart a name to them of someone to talk to. Someone to open up to that right now, even as I say that, that you, the Holy Spirit is putting a name in their mind and that you are affirming. Talk to this person today. The longer you wait, the longer you're going to hold all of this burden that you don't have to carry. And I ask that you bring freedom and love and peace and joy to their lives today. Show them, God, that you care. Show them that you still see them, that you still care about them. And I just come against that spirit of loneliness right now in the name of Jesus. And I speak your Holy Spirit's presence over them. Your presence over them. Your presence over them right now. In the name of Jesus. I want you all to stand with me and I want you to pray with me this prayer to Jesus. Let's stand up all over the room and let's pray this prayer to Jesus. I want you to repeat after me because so many times we have intentions on our heart that we never vocalize. 
But when we vocalize those intentions, it's proven that when you just say something out loud, that it makes you feel more bound to what you said. That even courtrooms tell you not to yell out innocent or guilty when you first go back to, for the jury. Because even if you're convinced otherwise, you won't change your mind if you say it. And so I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, right now, I want to make a pledge to be different. And I don't really know what different looks like. But I just want to walk out this journey with you. I need your guidance. I need your Holy Spirit. I need you, Jesus. Because I believe that you died on the cross. And I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you made a way for me. And today, I want to start going down that way. I want to see what it's really like to have a relationship with you. God, help me to see myself the way that you see me. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.